Welcome to episode 24 of the Lulu Logic Podcast. I'm Nick Lewis and I'm your host. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you for coming back one more time. Today's guest, my homie. We were roommates in training camp my rookie year. Man, so long ago, 16 years ago to be exact, but we've kept in touch. He's an amazing athlete, amazing father, and I can't wait for you to hear his story on how he got to where he was, how he got from Virginia to the NFL, to the CFL. Oh, and he even made a stop in the original XFL. Oh, you're going to hear it all soon. But first, here's the hot topic. The last dance is done. MJ, don't tell me you're surprised by what you've seen. You know what? I think it did more for MJ good than it did bad. Yes, he's a hard teammate to be around. But when your best player is your hardest worker, you have to pull people up to your level. And it wasn't like he just jumped into the NBA and won, 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 won and did this. From 84 to 91, you have to think about the Pistons, the Celtics, and all the teams that he's seen in the playoffs, all the teams that beat him down physically, all the teams that just destroyed the Bulls. When he got there, they had a losing record. When he got there, nobody cared about the Chicago Bulls. Fast forward to 98 when he left. Look how he left that organization. He set a standard. And if you didn't reach his standard, he told you about it. I give him props. There's no better basketball player to ever play the game. He's one of the best competitors to ever play sports. Look at his competitive fire. Look at his reasoning why he did what he did. Did he cross the line? Of course, you're going to cross the line at times when you're that competitive, when you're that on edge, and when you're trying to pull your team up to your level. And just remember, that's why he won six rings. That's why the Bulls won six rings. He did have great help in Scottie Pippen. He had great help in Horace Grant. He had great help in uh, Steve Kerr and John Paxson and Dennis Rodman. But look at the impact he made on those guys as well. Is Scotty still Scotty, a top 50 all-time player without Jordan? Does he ever raise his game to that level? Think about it. How did Horace Grant do when he left the Bulls? Yes, he played solid with Orlando Magic, but he didn't do what he was supposed to do. That was Shaq and Penny, Nick Anderson and Dennis Scott. He was a great addition while he was there, but... You don't really talk about Horace Grant like that. So understand what Jordan did. John Paxson, Steve Kerr hitting big shots, putting belief in people, but also he had to go out and be that to dominate the game the way he did. And I just want to say hats off to Michael Jeffrey. Jordan, great job of putting this out. Great job of letting us in your world. And honestly, I can't wait to see Kobe's because they documented that too. And that is Lulu's Logic.
Today's guest is from Fairfax, Virginia. Went to Kansas State University and still holds the Fiesta Bowl record for receiving yards in a game with 206 and tied for first with three touchdown catches in that game. Drafted by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the seventh round, then he went to the original XFL for the Los Angeles Extreme, where he led the XFL in TD catches. Then the CFL with the BC Lions, Calgary Stampeders, Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Welcome to the show, my boy, D-Mac. What up, what up? Thanks for having me on. It's been a while. I ain't seen you in a while. You're looking good. You're looking good. Yeah, you was talking about me earlier, you know, when I was doing the yeah. up down, the, the burpees, man. Look. I mean, you, 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 you always been a little healthy, a little healthy <laughs> wide receiver, but uh, you let it go a little bit. But, you know, with, with a career you had, it's okay. You, you, you get the pass for letting it go a little bit. Yeah, man. It's, it's good that we reconnected, man, because, um, you know, we were, we were t- almost teammates twice um, back in the day in Calgary. And, and that's one of those things. We were roommates my rookie year in training camp. And, yeah. uh, yeah, just, you know, I appreciate you for letting me go out for your birthday, showing me what Canada's all about. Yeah, yeah, I showed you a good time. You know, we, we, I, was, I was wild and you was, you, was, you was just getting your feet wet, but uh, <laughs> I showed you a good time. <laughs> yes, you did. You know, I didn't understand why you didn't want anybody to know it was your, wasn't your, uh, was your birthday. You know, I didn't know that at that time. And you were like, man, don't tell nobody it's my birthday, but hey, you can come out with me tonight. I'm like... Why can't nobody know? You know, it's, I was, I don't know. I was just one of those, I don't know, I don't know. I just didn't, I usually didn't tell too many people about my birthday, you know, and things like that. But um, I always had fun on my birthday, though, regardless of whoever knew uh, or whatever. Well, you remember, I I had an injury right before your birthday. I don't remember if you remember that. Um, I had the uh, testicular torsion where, yeah, they almost had to cut one off. (laughs) <laughs> no, yeah. I don't. I didn't remember that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that's the most painful thing I've probably ever been through. Um, I remember Salacio found me in the bathroom on the floor uh, when we were eating at the Best Western, and um, then I went to the. They, I was in the hospital all night, so I wasn't actually practicing at that point. Um, so being able to go out for your birthday and enjoy it, I didn't have to go to practice the next day. I, I was just there. I didn't have to practice, but you know. Uh, seeing you knock them shots down and knock it in the brewskis, man, and then go out there and one-on-ones destroy DBs. I remember you used to just talk, man. Hey, just just like it took us a long time to learn how to run routes to get open and things like that, I had a lot of training to be able to take some <laughs> drinks and then get up and, and go play some football. <laughs> man, it was good, though, because, I mean, for the first for one time, man, I, I just remember, like, you were so dominant in training camp that year. And I was looking at our squad, man. It was like, who? Wayne McGarity, Albert Connell, yourself, myself, Salacio. Uh, then with Canadians, we had Juhas and Andre Arlane and, and uh, Danny Montana and, and those guys, right. man. And right. We had a stacked little squad, though, for, in the receiver court for sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I was like, man, this is, you know, this is my first time to play professional football. And I'm looking around like, I remember Albert Connell from A&M because my family's huge A&M fans. And then he went for a 1,000 with the Redskins, and, and he was out there balling. I mean, he used to always catch the ball and put it behind his head. Yeah. I was like, that's awesome. Like, DBs can never get it. Like, because usually you catch it, you bring it down. He catch it, put it behind his head. So then DBs, like, they do this, and he's, like, right back here with it. And then, and you know, Wayne, crazy ass. 
Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I love Wayne though. He was like, he was like Lil Wayne for real, like <laughs> for real. Playing football, like yo, I love him to death, man. That that whole squad, man. Um, just just thinking back, that it, it was so many different personalities, but everybody had the same goal as getting better, you know, and trying to win, trying to win a great cup. You know what I mean? But uh, yeah. and you came in there, and it, it was it was funny though because when you came in and when you did start practicing the the, the year before the year that we did actually go and camp together. Like you was, you was, it was like you were a veteran already. So like hats off to you from the beginning, the way you came in professional and, and the way you just um, dealt with everyone as, from players to coaches and staff like that. And the way you worked hard, man, hats off to you. And uh, you deserve everything that you got. You know, being a D2 walk on, man, I, I came in like, I'm fans of these guys. Like I'm looking around like guys that I've watched and I'm like, man, I'm fans of you guys, man. You played in the big 12 at K-State and I've seen you play. And I was like, dude, this is some serious guys up here because before I got there, I didn't know that. And then you see them, I'm looking around and I remember Victor Ike and I was like, dude, Victor Ike, I used to rep him when he was at Texas, you know? So then it was like, okay, well, I got to go make my name now. Right. I got to show them. It was more, I was less concerned about showing the coaches. I was more concerned about showing y'all that I belong there. Right. And so it was like, you made a play, you diving and catching the ball, making one hand catch. AC putting it behind his head, Wayne over here dropping people off on them option routes. And I'm just like, dude, I got to show him I can play too. You know, you know, you know I, as I think back on it, I think that's the best way um, for you to come in. Like if you would have came to a team that you had a, a bunch of guys that really wasn't known in, 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 in Division One football and things like that, that you might have came in a little bit complacent or something like that. But you came in and you're looking at people that you actually seen, you know, play in Division One. So it probably gave you a little edge, like, yo, I got to prove myself here. Like, yeah. I got to. You know what I'm saying? So that might have gave you a little edge, and I think that probably was the best thing for you coming in. Yeah, it was I was definitely a good group, man. We'll get to more of that later. But how's everything been with the COVID, man? How you been handling with this? And I see you with your son and having some good times. How's it been? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 been real good. I mean, um, you know, hats off. I mean, uh, my condolences go to everyone who ever, I mean, that got the COVID-19 and stuff. I mean, fortunately, my, none of my family has it, um, girlfriend or anything like that has it. So, but we're maintaining, you know, um, my girlfriend has an opportunity to work from home. Me, unfortunately, I, I can't. So I've been out of work for a while. But um, it's given me time to spend more time with my son. So that that's a blessing. Yeah, that's huge, man. He getting big. I like y'all's. Uh, I like your videos, man. Uh, was that uh, was that TikToks or, or nah. you know, Snapchat or where, where you put the videos at? It, it's basically just on my Facebook. I haven't even put Facebook? it anywhere. I don't even have any of that extra uh, social media stuff like that. I just had a Facebook and that's it. But um, it, it was funny. Uh, a couple of my buddies was talking about um, my son is like. We we're talking because we both was raised in the hood, you know. Yeah. And he was like, "Oh man, our sons are soft as I don't know what. Like they, <laughs> they don't know what hard is and things like that." So I did a video acting like they were tough. My my son and one of his buddies, buddies best one of his best friends, and it got so much comments, so many comments and things on Facebook that I actually did another video <laughs> on my Facebook about them being gangsters and thugs and slinging donuts. It, it hit <laughs> off right. <laughs> Man, that was awesome, man. I, you know, I always enjoy seeing guys uh, with their kids and uh, just having fun, man, because uh, we do have a portal now that we didn't have when we were growing up uh, to be seen and to actually be creative. And, and one of the things that people see now is 
how talented everybody is, right? You see all these people on all these platforms doing all this crazy flips and different things. And um, I think it's really been positive and it shows people that you don't have to be in Hollywood anymore. You know what I'm saying? You can actually go out and create. There's YouTube stars making $10 million a year plus and, and doing that because, and you can do it because, you, you know what I'm saying, you've always been funny and you've always been one of those guys that people gravitate to. So, you know, I hope you keep doing that with your son and, and y'all build that. Yeah, no, I actually been getting a few people telling me I should just go on a start a page and, and just make funnies, you know what I mean? But, uh, you know, I'm gonna think about it. I mean, it, it probably won't happen because <laughs> I'm working, when I, knew, when I am working, I'm working 40 to, to 60 hours a week. So, but it would be nice to, to make funnies and, 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 you know, start making all this money that all these YouTube stars are making. Oh yeah. You been watching The Last Dance at all? Yeah, I have. I have. I'm actually on episode five or, or five or six right now, but it's it's eye-opening for sure. LeBron or Jordan? Jordan, easy. Easy. And and for my, the main argument that I would say, because because LeBron is eventually going to pass all, all his stats, okay? Yeah. The main thing that I would say is this. You can't be considered the greatest of all time if you have a weakness. And his weakness is free throws. You know, yeah. LeBron has never been good at shooting free throws. I can't say someone's the greatest of all time if you can, if you're not great at something on that basketball court. You got to be able to pass, catch, rebound, play defense, shoot threes, do layups, dunk. Well, not even dunk, but, you know, play all aspects of the game. And free throws is one of them, and he doesn't. And on a, on the flip side, I just don't think he has that it factor. And I know that sounds crazy because LeBron James is amazing. I'm not taking nothing from him. But – who do you want to, with the ball with 10 seconds left of the game? I'm, I'm pretty sure the majority of the world is going to say Jordan. Yeah. And, you know, do you know Jordan averaged more blocks in the playoffs per game than LeBron? Yep. yep. Right. It's, it's crazy how similar their stats are um, when you put together LeBron's and Jordan's. And it's taken LeBron two extra years to get past Jordan. He's 1,800 points ahead of Jordan with two more years under his belt. And, I mean, I think that's just due to coming out of high school. You know, if Jordan could have came out after one year uh, at North Carolina and not three years. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. there's some there's some huge differences. Uh, Jordan leaving right in the height, right? He leaves for a year and a half. And then when you look at, you know, they bench him and tell him when he's hurt that he can only play 14 minutes a game and he's still putting up 20-some points. Yeah. Like, he's going out there going crazy yeah, that, that's, in that that's 14 crazy. minutes, right? So you look at all those things, and, and LeBron has been healthy. Um, hats off to LeBron, though, man. He's uh, he's definitely definitely a great athlete. He's one of the best athletes to ever play a sport at, at his size to be able to run, jump, and be as athletic as he is. But, yeah, man, I just think Jordan's just so much better. What about Kobe, LeBron? I would go LeBron. Me personally, I think I got them one, two, and three, and uh, with uh, Kobe, Kobe at, at, on, on th third. Only reason I think LeBron in that aspect is because LeBron can guard almost all five positions. Yeah, you know because of his size. At one point, he was like one. I mean, two sixty-five, two seventy at one point in his career. I know he lost some weight certain years and things like that, but I think he can he can defend multiple one one or two more positions than Kobe. I mean, but obviously, if, if you ask me who, who out of them two, who, who gets the ball in the last 10 seconds, it's going to be Kobe. But yeah. 
I, I would pick I would pick LeBron over him as a as a player. But fun fact though, if if a player beats you in every single stat as a basketball player, mm-hmm. except championships, who's the better player, in your opinion? Man, I just think there's so many factors, man. I think I think there's a lot of factors that go into it. But I don't I don't Wait, if I beat you in every single stat. Except championships. Are we, Who's did better, we play the you? same game? Did we play the yes. same? We play the same era and the same. Yes. Same era. Well, you can't say the guy with the most championships because Robert Ory got more championships than a lot of people. Correct. So the reason I asked that question is it's a fun fact that it was brought to my attention like a few months ago, which I didn't even know. Kareem Abdul Jabbar beats Jordan in every stat. Yeah, he does. Except steals. Every stat. Every stat except steals. Yeah. Percentage, everything. So how come his name never comes up? That's what I don't understand. Kareem, but see, Kareem was killing it. And I don't know, it's like Bill Russell. Man, Bill Russell had, what, 11 championships in 13 years or something like that. Yeah, but um, Kareem played with Jordan a few years. Yeah, but, you know. But, but yeah, I looked had Worthy on- and Magic and Dennis Johnson and – you know, we, we look at that and we say, you know, we kind of discredit people for having help. And we kind of, you know, it, it's crazy how, because essentially if you look at the top probably five big men, which would be probably Kareem, Bill Russell, Wilt Chamberlain, Shaq, and Hakeem Olajuwon, if you ask me, right. are probably the five greatest big men to ever play the game. Mm-hmm. You know, they're – they don't get counted in those same stats because of they're not really, I don't know, the small four and the shooting guard or like in the point guard, flashy positions. You know, Steph Curry makes it look good. Shoot. Right. You know what I'm saying? Jordan can shoot from anywhere. You know, uh, Kevin Durant can shoot from anywhere. So you have all these players that make it look good. But Shaq was the only one that really made it look good down low. Him and Hakeem. Hakeem had the dream shake where he just dropping people off. Right. But, I mean, you look at Kareem, he was just guy hooking everybody. You can't touch that. that. <laughs> See? Exactly. Exactly. Just... But that just proves, it, 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 just to take it back to football, it even proves that showboating in the end zone will get you remembered. Because of let's course. think about this. Uh, Harrison. Harrison for um, – Marvin Harrison. Um, yeah, for the Colts, the, the wide receiver. He's like number three all time. Exactly, but no one talks about him because he never danced in the end zone. He never did anything crazy. He handed the ball back to the ref, went and celebrated with his teammates and went went in. So even in sports, in any sport, if you've got a little bit of showboat in you, people want to remember you. But Mar- Marvin Harrison had an amazing career, top three of all time, top three, top four, and no one talks about him. You you gotta remember, you you gotta be more than a than an athlete. You gotta be an entertainer. People remember the entertainment, okay. right? It's the entertainment value they wanna see. That's why somebody's willing to pay a thousand dollars to sit in the nosebleed to watch LeBron, Jordan, Kobe, all those guys, those greats, but then they won't pay a hundred dollars to sit down first row to watch somebody they don't really care about. That's just an NBA, right. Right? right? It's it's what you're. It's the entertainment factor that you're getting, and you know you're one yeah. of those guys, man, that that brought a lot of entertainment factors. I did one of your dances after I scored a touchdown in Winnipeg, man. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I broke it down and, you know, yeah. I got that D-Mac. Yeah. I remember that's one of the first things you showed me was you scored a touchdown on a dude. You got up and started popping your booty on him. 
Hey, it, it's, it's so funny. <laughs> let me tell you how that came along before that. That looks bad and it sounds bad, but let me tell you how that was created. Okay. Uh, my mother came to see me one time in, in Canada and we're, we were in the, I have put her up in a hotel and we're all in the hotel, my family and stuff. And I'm joking around and I'm like, yo, mom, my score, I'm a dance, like I'm at a strip club, like I'm a stripper. <laughs> and she was like, man, ain't no grown man in the world that's going to, is going to do no shit like that, you know? And I'm like, you know, you're right. And I did it. I started off, I did it to be, to, to get her mad. I was like, if I score, <laughs> I'm going to have her mad as I want to up at the end of this game. So I scored and I did a little pop lock dance and she was furious. And then it was going to be over with and done. But then obviously, uh, well, actually some fans came up to me like, and was like, oh my God, that was so much. You were dancing and like little kids was like doing it. And I was like, you know something? I might as well just keep going. So I get some type of dance every time I score a touchdown. <laughs> That's how it came along. <laughs> when did you start playing football? Like what age were you? I was eight years old when I started. You started eight receiver? I played tight end or wide receiver my whole life until high school. And then I, then I started playing wide receiver and uh, free safety. Okay. And, and I hated free safety. <laughs> man, I wanted to play safety when I was in high school. I was like, man, I want I was a like I was like five nine, hundred and seventy pounds my junior year. And I was like, dude, I want to play free safety. I want to play free safety. And they kept putting me at corner. So I just started letting people run by me at practice. I wouldn't even I wouldn't even I wouldn't even jog one five yards. After practice, the coach comes up to me, he goes, Hey, come here, I want to talk to you. I'm like, what's up? He goes, um, so we're going to change your position on defense. Uh, you're going to play defensive end. Dang. <laughs> I remember I walked in the locker room. I was like, man, they talking about putting me in defensive end. Look at me. I'm, I'm 170. Like, what am I going to do down here? Next day at practice, I run down there with the DBs. They're like, Nick. I'm like, oh, they serious. <laughs> yeah, man, look. I was telling you all state defensive end, though. I mean, I would just oh, use wow. my I just use my athletic ability in a small school. It was two A, but I just use my office, right. uh, athletic ability. I jump around guys, move around, make some tackles. Yeah. Um, it right. was fun. I enjoyed it. Way better than hey, athlete is an athlete. You're right. You, you already know that. <laughs> you know, uh, I got a, 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 a quick funny story about that. Like after I'm done retired, and um, I had a opportunity to play with my. 1994 high school team. It's like a alumni game, full padded, everything, pads, oh, wow. all that. Yes. Who y'all playing against? And, uh, a school that was down the street from us. Um, they called 94 Edison, team. School called, yes, they're 94 team. Yes. <laughs> so, bunch of old dudes. <laughs> bunch of old dudes. <laughs> I'm talking, our, 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 our our wide receivers look like linemen now. Like, you know what I'm saying? It was I was the only one that was, you know, at least close to being in in, in a in a weight wise of playing the same position that I played back then, you know. But um funny story, kinda piggyback on your story is um obviously I played wide receiver, you know what I mean? Obviously I did did pretty good in the game, you know, scored a couple touchdowns, et cetera, et cetera. So I go to my head coach, the same head coach that we had um in ninety four, and I was like, yo, put me in that defense end. And he was like, McDonald, he was like, you, you, you're like two, 215, 220, but it's a different world down there. And I was like, no, nah, put me in. Like, I'm an athlete. I always wanted to get a sack, you know. So I'm like, 
I'm going in anyway. So I just run in there and take out the defense end, and I'm hyped, hand up in the air, ready to come off the line of scrimmage. And I came off, and the lineman that was in front of me disappeared. And I'm like, oh, I'm about to kill this quarterback. Man, I got cleaned up by a pulling guard so bad, this 300-plus pound dude. That y'all hurt so bad. (laughs) I was like, it's like chest down here. Like, you got to know, you know, things. And I got to the sideline, and my coach is laughing at me. My high school coach is laughing at me. He was like, I told you. It's a different monster down there. Like, you don't understand what goes on down there. I was like, I swore I had a clean shot at the quarterback. And, man, this dude hit me so hard, man, rung my bell. And I was like, yeah, y'all can have that defensive line stuff. I'm I'm over it. I'm over it. Pulling guard put me in the hospital in high school, man. Ugh, Same thing. The uh, tackle, like it's the first time I've seen it. Because usually people like we're gonna run at him. He's small, but the tackle would come at me. I just try to make him miss, swipe his hands, and then mm. dive in and make a tackle. Man, right. that tackle went down. I seen that running back coming towards me. I was like, ooh, damn. damn. Was it? Yeah. I'm man, I'm, I'm getting carried off on the stretcher, neck brace on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I believe it. Cause I didn't want to come back in the game after that hit. <clears throat> Hey, so when did you start talking trash, though? Did you talk trash in high school or Little League when you played, or did you just grow into that? Well, it kind of it kind of got to the point when I started talking trash um, in in high school. I came from New Jersey. I went to two years in, in New Jersey, at Pemberton High School, and uh, Pemberton and Glassboro High School in New Jersey, and then I came to the Virginia area in Fairfax. It's called Hayfield. So when I got there, it's the, – the dynamic was different than New Jersey. Like New Jersey, they, everyone played hard. I'm talking 100, even at practice. No, no lackadaisical nothing. Everyone was going hard at all times. When I got to Virginia, no knock to Virginia schools or whatever, but the particular school I went to, Hayfield, most of the players was like bull jiving the whole, the whole practice, you know. And I, I caught a pass on one of the guys, and they didn't really care. Like they were like, oh, Good catch, like, you know. And then I learned quick that for me talking smack, I know that I can get the best out of that defender yeah. because he's not going to want to hear me talk smack anymore. So I, I developed the, the the art of talking smack, and I talk smack to him every day, all day, even at practice. I mean, even at school the next day. If I caught two, two passes on your practice, I'm talking smack, telling everybody that wasn't at practice <laughs> about I just dogged him in one-on-ones. <laughs> so when he got to practice – he, he, I knew if I caught a pass on him, it's, I know he was giving me his 100. So I knew that was going to make me better. Yeah. So in turn, the, the, the talking smack helped me develop because I wanted them at their best. Because if they wasn't at their best, I wouldn't have got better by catching passes on them. So that's how I developed. And it's fun. It's fun to get someone mad. And they know you're trying to get them mad. And they still get mad. So, <laughs> What do you think about Jordan talking to his teammates like he do? It's it's sort of the same way. I mean, granted, yeah. he's borderline disrespectful. I mean, I mean, from what I I didn't know it was that bad. Like, from, from watching this show now, I didn't know it was that bad. I mean, but it's borderline disrespectful. But I can guarantee you that none of them wanted him to score no buckets on them at practice. So I guarantee you, he was hitting buckets or not making buckets because they was giving their one hundred at practice. Yeah. So I think he might have pushed them because of his arrogantness and his his shit talking, talking smack, that it pushed them to be better at practice, which in turn made them better players, better athletes. Yeah, I always looked at, like, Jonathan Gray, who played at Alito, who rushed for 11,000 yards, over 200 touchdowns in high school, and he was the hardest-working guy on the team. So I was like, 
if the hardest working guy on the team is going to sell out and work hard, nobody else has an excuse. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. So if, if he's going to push himself that way, there's nobody else got any excuses on why they can and why they can. And if you can all raise your level to his level, you win three state championships just like they did. You know what exactly. I'm saying? And just like Jordan, man. Well, how'd you get to K-State? How did that come about? How you go from Virginia to Kansas State? Oh, man. My, my story is crazy. Um, so my senior year in high school, I was supposed to be All-American, supposed to be everything. The fifth game of the year, I break my leg. Mm. So um, I was out, obviously, the rest of the season. Now, after the season, I still got voted into the – it's called the Chesapeake Classic, Virginia versus Maryland All-Star Game. Because after the, even though I only played five games, I still broke a thousand yards and I still led the conference and things like that. So I still got voted into playing in this all-star game. Now keep in mind, I had a broken leg, cast on my leg, the whole line. And so I haven't played since that fifth game of the year. And they want me to play in this all-star game. So I went there and I really wasn't even going to play, but they still wanted me to come there because I was, you know, one of the ones that's voted. So I got there and someone was talking smack to me on the sideline, wishing that, that I was there. And the coach and the coach wanted me to play. He was like, yo, you can still play. The doctor said you're good and this and that. And I was just nervous. You know, I was 165 pounds at six foot. You know, I was just nervous. But a guy started talking practice, talking smack to me in practice. And I was like, you know something? You know, laced him up, practice all week and played in the game. And I happened to, you know, make the all-star team. I mean, make the uh, most valuable player of the game, actually. Did, did well. I was excited. All these teams wanted to sign me. Um, it wasn't Kansas State. It was Michigan State. It was the Tennessee. It was it was it was a rack of Division One schools, but it wasn't Kansas State at all because they're obviously they're so far away. But the problem is, is I never took my SAT at all. Didn't even go and attempt it. So therefore, they, you can't get Prop 48 it. And let's say if I took the test and would have failed it, a Division One school can Prop 48 me and still bring me on to the Division One school. But since I didn't even take it that they were like, ain't nothing we can do for Division One." So Michigan State was still trying to pursue me. And basically, they were like, listen, we want to send you to this junior college. Mm -hmm. And afterwards, you can come to us with a full scholarship if you want. And I was like, so do I have to sign a contract that, you know, I'm coming to y'all after I graduate junior college and this and that? And they were like, no, no, no. They was like, if we want you to come back, come with a full scholarship, then we'll offer you it then. So I took that as disrespect. I was like, because you could have locked me into a contract, you know, at least a verbal contract yeah. that I would come to you with a full scholarship, but you wasn't sure that I was going to pan out to be anything. Yeah. So, you know, so I ended up going to a junior college in Kansas. And the problem with that was, is only 10 people make, only, only 10 out out-of-state players make it in a junior college uh, football team. Well, any sport, I'm guessing. Yeah. And there were already 10 that made it the year before. So I had to come in and beat someone out that already made it the year before to uh, to make the team. So I ended up playing there, What's doing my two years, graduating from there. It was Garden City Community College in Kansas. It's Garden City. Yeah, they were in the top, top 10 every year of all the junior colleges. And um, went there, had some great coaches. James Seabash, he, he actually played a, a year, I think, with the Atlanta Falcons. You know, he was one of my coaches. Um, I, I had um, Ganush, great coaches. Man, I was blessed with a lot of coaches, there were a lot of great coaches. After those two years, um, Michigan State and uh, Kansas State was uh, two there that was 
bidding for me to come play with them. And this guy named Plexico, Plexico Burris made me go to uh, Kansas State. Because I was like, wait a minute, this guy's already big time for Michigan, Michigan State. What's the point of me going there? I only got two more years, and we both same same year fighting for you know fighting for stacks and things like that. Lucky for me in Kansas State, a guy named Kevin Lockett, yep. the the legend of Kansas State history football, was graduating, and all the other receivers hasn't haven't actually got on the field as starters yet. So I was like, that's a you know better even playing field going into camp for me to go to Kansas State than Michigan State. So did you play against Mike Bishop and um, when he was at Blinn? No, we, we, we lost the game before to get to Mike. That uh, game is against Coffeyville. If we don't play Michael Bishop in the Junior College National Championship. Oh, okay. So did y'all go into K-State together? Yep, yep. How was that? We both went two years. Instant connection? No, it's instant hate. Really? <laughs> That's one of my best friends of all time. <laughs> But as a wide receiver, he's not the one you want to be um, on your – he's not the quarterback that you want. And, and this is not a knock on his passing skills because he was an amazing passer. He's everything. But he was so much of an athlete. The coach, Bill Snyder, had us running pass routes even though we knew for sure it was a, a quarterback draw. So Michael Bishop was like, yo, I'd rather be throwing the ball. I don't want to run the ball. I don't want to run for 1,000 yards. I'd rather be throwing the ball, but he was so much of an athlete. His first year, his junior, his junior year, his first year in Kansas State, he ran for a thousand and threw for almost two thousand. Yeah, and but, you think so, and you think so that at the beginning? Oh, go ahead. Well, I'm saying at the beginning of our relationship, me and me and Michael Bishops, it wasn't a good one for me. But I mean, he might have thought we was friends. <laughs> <laughs> Give me but the damn like, ball. Yo, I mean, I knew it wasn't his fault. He was just doing what the coach says, and the coach thought that that's the best way that they could win was him have him running the majority of the time. My junior year, and we came, my first year, my junior year at Kansas State, I only ended up with 19 catches for the season. Wow. Yeah, and then my senior year, well, because of the Fiesta Bowl when I, you know, when I broke all the records and things like that, um, I had nine catches, 200-some yards in that game. I almost had half of my stats you know, in that one game. So after that, Coach Snyder opened up the passing game, and the next year I had 78 catches for the season, for my senior year. So oh, at first, awesome. me and Bishop, I was like, man, you're too good of a runner. Like, <laughs> even though we win, and you too, I, I want some passes, you know. But, but you but, know, yeah. Snyder, Snyder just got through seeing Tommy Frazier, you know, 94, yeah. 95, you know what I'm saying? Seeing Nebraska run that thing, he like – so he looking at Vic, uh, Bishop like, this is my Tommy Frazier. I want him exactly. to do what he did. And he did, too. And he did it better than what he did, too. But, yeah. Yeah. No, Mike Bishop, man. He, I seen him throw it 93 yards before. That's amazing. <laughs> the Hail Mary from the own 20. Starting at your own 20. Man. He throws the Hail Mary. You remember that play? Yeah, yes, yes, yes. The man is amazing, man. I mean, I just, and I just seen him about six months ago. We went back to K-State for a little um, signing and things like that. Good guy, man. Yeah, unfortunately, he had a, a bad accident, um, yeah. messed his uh, neck up, but he came through with it, and he had like a minor stroke. But he just bounced back, and he's back on the field coaching and all that. But this, man, this kid, this kid, and well, grown man now, but he was he was an unbelievable athlete. He, you could put him anywhere on the field, from yeah. linebacker, because he was big enough, 
from safety to wide receiver, everything. You could have put him anywhere. He was that good of a person. Good, good of a person and a player, actually. I'm at, you know, I, I talked to him right after his stroke, man, and then um, I'm going to have to get him on the show, man. I want to see – just catch up with him, see how he's doing, because he was there in Calgary with me, too, for a little bit. So uh, we okay. were able to be teammates. And, you know, he used to always invite me to uh, Jamie's house. Be like, man, yeah. you got to come with me to Jamie's house, man. I said, man, I don't know if I can handle all that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you see the way I'm running around Calgary. <laughs> how, are you gonna yeah. ha- how am I going to handle being in L.A. at Fox House? Right. 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 Come on now. We can't be out here doing all this. <laughs> it was good times, though. <laughs> hey, do you remember the DBs you played against in the uh, Fiesta Bowl? Yeah, yeah, no. I know one of them was uh, they put um, Darius from uh, Jackson Wire. He was a free safety in Jackson Wire for years, and he might even be in the Hall of Fame now. He played for a long time. Darius, um, I think that was his last name. Darius, uh, Darius, some Darius. Oh, I don't know. Darius. Yeah, I think it was he was he was. Yeah, I'm sure he was a safety for uh, Jacksonville for a whole lot of years. He was a safety for um, the uh, Syracuse as well, but. They ended up because I was dogging the other guy because he was a little bit, you know, too short for me. So they put him on me for the um, the whole fourth quarter. So I keep telling people, hey, I scored on, you know, he's a Hall of Famer in the league. Like, got a TD <laughs> on him. But, you know, because yeah. y'all ran pretty much option offense, like one receiver sets, huh? And uh, Yeah, for the most part. And I went to college in a one receiver set. When I had 60-something catches, uh, the next person to me had 19, right? Mm-hmm. So – and we, we only – like, we would go three receivers. We still use two running backs and me. Yeah. I'm like, that's so disrespectful. Like, let, right. let's let three receivers out here and let us work. Exactly. Now, we don't want them to substitute. I'm like, these running backs can't run routes. <laughs> like, right. Yeah, they, and we, had, no and we legitimately corners. had three receivers that could do it. And that was mm-hmm. the bad part. But, yeah, man, did so, you – So um, you understand my struggle a little bit. Yeah, how did you like that? Was it, was it hard to fit in there or what was the deal? Well, see – this was the thing. It, it, it hurt me at the beginning because it didn't help my confidence at all. You know, so, and, and it, I, I tell people this jokingly, but I started studying hard because I was like, uh, halfway through the first season, my first season with Kansas State, I was like, yeah, this doesn't look like I'm going anywhere with this. Like, I need to make sure I get this degree. Like, so... I started studying extra hard. I'm like, this dude running for 100, 200 yards a game. Like, I was like, they're not passing it. So it hurt me even at practice. Even though I was doing good at practice, when the games came wrong, I wasn't really sure. Even though I was dominating at practice, I wasn't sure that I was good going against competition that I wasn't familiar with, even though we watched films and things like that. So I dropped a few passes early off in in my Kansas State career because of second-guessing myself, you know, and things like that. So it hurt me a lot by not getting a lot of opportunities to prove myself, you know. But that game, the the bowl game at the end of that year at the uh, Fiesta Bowl against Donald McNabb and, and the Syracuse, it really gave me so much of a confidence booster because they loaded the script line of scrimmage up with nine players and they were shutting that run down. And I'm looking at Bill Snyder like, yo, it's time to throw the ball. Like, we're going to lose if we don't throw this ball. Like, the you better throw me the ball. Like, period. And he finally bowed down because Bishop wasn't running like he's been running all year because they loaded the line of scrimmage. And then I just went went crazy. And that, that gave me so much of a confidence booster that 
it, it catapulted me to, you know, making it pro. Yeah, yeah, that's it's always great when you run that option, man. We play Valdosta, they sideline to sideline. I'm like, we not running today. Let me get this 180. <laughs> right. <laughs> All my, exactly. Our best games came against the best teams because we couldn't run the ball. And I was always – because, mm-hmm. you know, when you play against the option, you're going to see cover three so they can get an extra man in the box, or you're going to see man-to-man yep. so they can get an extra man in the box. Yep. And yep. there's nothing to it, right? So I love to see that. You know, as a receiver. <laughs> Hell, yeah. We love to see that man-to-man. Especially with no help over the top. Mm-hmm. And you know, me and you ain't never been no blazers. So no, never been blazers. Right. Getting drafted. When you got drafted to Tampa Bay, did you think you were gonna go in the seventh round or you think you were gonna go before that? What was your mindset going into the draft? Oh man, that's that's another messed up part of my life right here. Um Everywhere, all the mock drafts, all the everything saying I was going to be um, late first, no later than late second. The earliest late first, first no later than no later than late second. But uh, fun fact, I don't even think you know this, but um, right when uh, the season was over, I had signed with an agent like everyone else does and things like that. And my agent, I was at this time, I was the only football player that he had, and his biggest biggest player was. Uh, um, what is the the free? I mean, the uh, center for San Antonio, the Admiral. What's his name? Uh, David Robinson. San Antonio Spurs. David Robinson, the Admiral. Dave, David Robinson was his was his biggest client. So, um, hold on, get that from him. He about to make noise. So, um, <laughs> anyway, so then he had a lot of tennis. Now it's my dog. He's about to, he grabbed his toy. He's about to make a lot of noise. My uh, English bulldog. But, uh, keep that English bulldog. <laughs> So he, my, my agent had, uh, I always keep him. You already know, this is my third one right there. So, but, uh, so he, he had a lot of tennis people and all this other stuff. And he, he actually got a call from Spike Lee. This is true, true facts. Right after, right after my season and right after I got an agent, Spike Lee um, called us and wanted me to do the Love and Basketball movie, the icon movie, the big time mm-hmm. Love and Basketball movie. So at this point, I'm flying back and forth to New York, practicing lines with them and all this other stuff. So in the process of this, I'm not working out. I'm not doing anything. I'm eating craft food, you know, getting catered, everything, blah, blah, blah. I'm flying me and my mother up. We all working on lines because he wanted someone that wasn't an actor, but that was athletic enough that played basketball, you know, and I had I had uh, offers with a couple D2 schools as well to play basketball as well coming out of high school. So long story short, I gained like 15 pounds, Went to the combine and my agent told me not to run the forty yard dash, but they, you know how that is. They, well, I, I, yeah, I don't know if you've been to it or not, but they pressure you so hard to run this forty yard dash. They pressure me and peer pressure me, peer pressure me. Even my my agent is literally on my cell phone. It's like, don't run, don't run, don't run. I ran anyway, and I ran a four five nine, and that dropped me from possible early, I mean late first round to all the way late rounds. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't change it for 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 anything. I mean, I I felt like if my skills was good enough, eventually I'll make that money back, you know. But I did commercials, I did some um, some movies. I was on Twenty Four. I did a, um, a speaking role on Twenty Four. I did Fast uh, uh, 
Run, Runway for Sean John. Okay. I did all kinds of stuff right when I ended. I did um, Charm, the TV show Charmed. I did Bernie Mac, Tracy Morgan show. I did all awesome. kinds of stuff. Um, unfortunately, when the movie was about to air, it would have been my first week in an NFL tra- camp. And then uh, he, he bailed out on me. He was like, nah, I can't. This football was your, your, your goal of life and this and that. Uh, I can't risk you not making it because you're flying back and forth doing trying to do this movie with me. So I had That's to give up that. Omar but, right. And I could have been him right now. You know what I'm saying? I wouldn't have had to take no more hits if I did the movie. Man, you, know you could have I mean? been <laughs> the best man. Right. All, been them, in all the Tyler Perry movies. All the shows he done did. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I did get a commercial out of it, though. I did have a K-Swiss commercial with my own little sneaks, K-Swiss. I remember that. But, I remember the case was cool. Yeah, yeah. Man, mm-hmm. you know, some people just get famous. But going to yeah. um, going to Tampa, you had Rideau Anthony and, and Jacquez Green there. How was that? You know, them Florida boys and, you know, even Warwick Dunn. Like, how was that? You know, Warwick Dunn, Warwick Dunn, surprisingly, no hate on no one, surprisingly, I didn't think Warwick Dunn worked hard. I mean – he just he just was amazing, man. This this kid was amazing. He 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 ran hard and all that good stuff. I just didn't really see him like one of them diehard hard worker guys. You know the receivers, um, Bert Emanuel, Riddell Emmanuel. Anthony, yep. Jacquez Green. You know these dudes was they these dudes were great. They was great. You know the schools they came from and this and that. I just didn't see that work hard mentality because when I got there, they were already all making a million dollars. You know, yeah. the one the one that I, I like latched on to was Carl Williams, Carl the Truth Williams. Yeah. I, mean, you probably, I don't even remember him because he played like 10 years with the Bucks, but never started. And he did like kick return, pump return, things like that. But this man, he worked so hard. It, it was it was ridiculous. Like and, and he helped me because. I got a little bit lack of days ago coming out right before coming out of school. So he, he got me back on track of working hard and things like that. But the best, the best worker I ever seen in my life is Warren Sapp. It, it's ridiculous. I would, I would catch a pass, a deep pass for like 60 yard touchdown at practice. Yeah. By the time I turn around, Warren Sapp then already rushed the quarterback and then hustled all the way down to just to tap me on the shoulder in the end zone mm. and then sprint back to the huddle. And me personally, I'm like jogging just a little bit, like, because I just ran 80 yards. Like, uh, but he literally would rush the quarterback, turn around, sprint all the way to me, touch me, and then sprint all the way back to the huddle every time. That dude, I'm talking when it comes to lifting weights, all that. I mean, I know he has a bad rep for a lot of things he's done in his career and all this, but I can tell you on that field, he was the real deal. Yeah. You know, some people, you know, they have so much motivation to go back to, I don't want to go back to that life outside of this. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? That life is is something that drives them. Like for me, my motivation was I I wasn't gonna go on haul hay no more. I wasn't going to work out in that sun and and do all that work for five ten dollars an hour. And right. it drives you. You know that's mm-hmm. it's something that's great. Do you remember who led the team in catches that year? With the Bucks? Yeah. I would guess. Um... The, the tight end, probably, or, or Riddell Anthony. No, Warwick Dunn. Warwick Dunn did. Wow. Yeah, like 60, I, knew, I didn't like think it was a receiver. Or 69 catches. Yeah, yeah. Those guys was not really um, 
big route runners. They was ones that would catch the ball and score, like yeah. outrun someone. But they really wasn't big big route runners and things like that. And our quarterbacks wasn't really uh, it was Sean King <laughs> that, and... that 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 amazing. He's, Sean King, I think, was the best that we had there. Sean mm-hmm. King, Eric Zaire, and um, Trent Dilfer. Yeah. How'd you, you get know, along think, with Trent? I think he probably was the best there. I love Trent. I love Trent. Me and him had some type of rapport. I don't know how we developed it, but this is when they were trying to get him out of there. And we would, he, he, he used to call me Young Money. <laughs> Why? I don't know. I don't know if he was trying to be the old, cool, cool white guy or whatever, but he called me Young Money. And every time we were in the huddle, he'd be like, yo, it's me against the world, me against the world, me against the world. He's like, you remember that Tupac song? I'm like, yeah, everybody knows that. Like, how do you know it? You know? <laughs> but he, he knew that no one thought, no one believed in him. Like, I don't know about how many people, but he knew that a lot of people didn't believe in him and this and that. So once he left and they got him up out of there, I was real happy to see him win a Super Bowl with uh, with Baltimore, even though he only threw like ten passes the whole game. <laughs> but I was I was very excited to see him win one because he knew a lot of people didn't have faith in him, and he went and did it. And there's some great quarterbacks like Dan Marino that don't even have a Super Bowl. So yeah, that's off to uh, Dilford. How was it playing for Tony Dungy? Uh, he's just not my type of coach, and and I'm not saying he's not a good coach. But I'm more of a um, Gruden coach type guy. You want a harder guy? I, no, not like like at, at practice. Like Dungey would not even say anything to you unless you did something wrong. Mm. If I scored an 80-yard touchdown to win the game, Dungey's not going to be breaking his neck to give me a high five. You know what I'm saying? It's but almost Gruden, like it's expected, right? Right, right. But Gruden uh, yell at you when you do something wrong and then damn near meet you in the end zone for a touchdown and giving you high five, giving you praise. You know, I was just I was just the type of player that you got to give me both ways. You can't just be mean to me every single time I do something wrong or drop a pass, but then don't give you know, no type of love when I do something right. Yeah. And that's just how Dungy was. And that's why I said me and him just didn't see eye to eye when it came to things like that. But he did have one rule that I respected and that I'm actually – I'm going imp- to implement that, and I have implemented that, that with, with my, uh, my son's – um, football team that I coach, Dungy had a thing called no explanations, no excuses. And which that means is if you lay for lay for practice, you get fined. No matter what. You can get to a car accident. You're fine. No matter what. Your wife yeah. can be having a baby. You're fine. No matter what. Um, you can have a heart attack. You're fine. No matter what. So it alleviates the the big time players like SAP and all these, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, Mike Allstott and all them from getting any type of favoritism. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Now, I know it's a little extreme. If you have a heart attack, you're still getting fined. You know what I'm saying? I know that's the extreme, but I actually like I like when the, the way Dungy implemented that, and, and, and I will implement it in every little team I coach or, or whatever as well. Like, I don't care if moms couldn't make it. Your mom knew we had practice last week. So you're going to be running these laps. Yeah. Right. You're going to be running these laps. You're going to be – even if it was mom's fault, oh, well, you're going to be running these laps. I try to talk to our kids about the same thing, accountability, man. Just just being accountable, knowing what you got to do. Like, being great at something is being consistent. And you can't be consistent only at sports and nothing else in your life is consistent. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? If you are, then that's that's crazy. But, you know, it's um, – yeah, that's – you know, like thinking about Tony Dungy, for me, 
and, and reading the book that he has and, and everything else, it's, it's kind of crazy, right, to hear that he didn't really uh, say much to congratulate you. Like last year when I was coaching, I would go here being angry, but I'm going here, you know, being happy, right? I was always far happier. And I don't know what it was, but when, when I would see my guys do something, big run, big block, some, I got more pumped up than they did. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Rutt ran back a 98-yard, 108-yard kickoff return, and I'm running down the field with him. I'm high-stepping. I'm, I'm yelling. Right. I'm sitting there. I'm jumping up on the field. And, you know, it's just one of those things to where I was always like, let's raise this level. You know, if, you know, if we can helps. make people retires. Exactly, and that and that helps motivate people to to want to do better. You know what yeah. I'm saying? And like, if you're just one of those coaches that is like a monotone personality. Oh, you did this wrong. You did this wrong. You did something good. All right, yeah, good job. Like you know that. I just I just feel like as coaches and as as parents, we have to find ways to motivate motivate the kids. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and 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 for us acting like a kid, running down with them, that motivates them because somebody else gonna want to run that run that touchdown and, and watch. And watch Nick run down the run down the sideline on the video the next day, like, oh look at the coach, <laughs> he still got it. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, definitely I think that's a good thing that the way you you know you raise your level even more when when kids do good. Yeah. Speaking of coaches, man, uh Jim Barker. Uh you went to the XFL, the original XFL. Jim Barker was your head coach. I know you're one of Barker Boys, mm-hmm. uh, one of the guys that are in that Barker Boys group. I uh, can't wait to talk to Barker about that group and see if I'm in it now. Uh, but how was that? What was the mindset like from going from the NFL to the XFL? And how was Barker as the head coach? Now, Barker, man, that man's like a, a father to me. Like, and, and he took all his people, well, not all of them, the ones that he felt that was going all in for him, that was going to work hard, you know, and, 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 leave everything, all the outside stuff off the field. Once you get to work, it's work, 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 work. You know, he really didn't care. As long as you're not getting in trouble outside of the, the, the football field, he really didn't care what you was doing as long as you wasn't getting in trouble. But once yeah. you came to work, if, if you worked and he's seen that you worked hard for him and you wanted this and you're not there just for a paycheck and things like that, that he looked out for you. Like, he looked out for me damn near my whole career after we met in the XFL. Um, he... He, it was like he was my agent. Yeah. He, every place that I went in the CFL, he got me there. He, he sent me there. Obviously, the team had to, you know, have some type of faith that I can perform, you know, at the level that they need. But it was always Barker uh, putting the word in for me, calling yeah. things like that. Because I didn't have an agent after I came to the CFL. Yeah. But uh, the guy, man, I can't speak nothing but good things about Coach Barker. Man, it, it, he's just an amazing individual, great coach. A great person, you know, and I, and my hats off to him because I owe him, you know, the, the career that I had. I owe him. Yeah, how was it playing the XFL, the original one, man? Just you know, setting the stage and just being so different. It, I, don't, I don't. I just don't understand with the XFL. They just got bad luck, man. I'm telling you because <laughs> it, it was. I I literally was like, yo, I'll play in the XFL forever. I, during that year and after that year, I was like, I love this. It, it was the competition was amazing. You know, you got to think we had, I had Tommy Maddox as our quarterback. He went on and, and, and had a great year in the NFL. I mean, a great career in the NFL. Yeah. You know, we had, we had, um, you know, one of your buddies, um, Jermaine Copeland Jermaine was on Copeland. our team. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, Reggie Saladin Durden. Saladin McCullough. Saladin McCullough, Reggie Durden, 
you know, he was a Bobby Singh uh, quarterback. Yeah, Bobby Singh, man. We had so many great athletes and great players and good people. You know that I I, I just think XML has a bad a bad luck, especially this year. It looked great. It looked great to me. It looked like it was good football. It looked like it was going to take off, and then the 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 COVID nineteen hit, and now had to file for bankruptcy again. So I don't know, but I had a great time. I had a great time. No, and then it was like no player made more money than the other except the quarterbacks. Yeah. So the rest of the team all made the same exact amount of money. And you got so a win bonus. Wasn't like people thinking they better than everyone else. Right. Exactly. Yep. So I loved it. Absolutely loved it. I wish it didn't fold back then either. How was it playing in LA? And and did you get a lot of hype off of the field? Like you know how the NFL kind of gets hype and everything, but being in LA, being a part of that team, did you get really hype off the field? Like we all getting in bars and everything, clubs and See, people treating you like celebrities that, or <laughs> that's funny because you know me. So the, the <laughs> hype that we got was the hype that I shouldn't have got <laughs> that, that I didn't want. So I mean like there's there wasn't things that happened like in the city wise type things. But we had our little football card and once we walked into any bar or any club in, in LA or anywhere, it, it was like we was NFL stars. So they gave us too much love. You know, I should have been sitting at home some, some of those days, but they gave us too much love. But yeah, it was it was big time. It was big time. Like, I don't know about any other cities, you know, like I wouldn't want to play in Memphis and all these other places that they were playing. But um, it, yeah, they gave us love, especially especially in the in the in the night, the night scene. <laughs> Any stories you want to tell us? <laughs> nope. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shoot. The most? Was, there, was there a teammate that you really just hung out with? I had me and Cope. You and Cope hung out? Me and Cope, time? Reggie Durden. Yeah. yeah. Yep. That, that's who I hang out, hung out with mostly in, uh, in L.A. when we played for the L.A. Extreme. You ever hung out with Bobby Singh? Bobby Singh's too a little too wild for me. He's a little too wild for me. I mean, I ain't got nothing to say negative about the man, but you know, I you know I ha- you know I hang out and have some good times. You know, I, I, I'm all about memories and some good times. But I've never heard I've never heard you say somebody was too wild for you. Man, he is the one. He is the one. That remember man he goes hard when he first got to Calgary. Uh, he comes in because we used to drink after every second uh, after two days, right in the in the weight room or wherever. Um, all the vets, and in 2007, he was he came in there. He goes, "Man, I heard you like Crown." He goes, "We're gonna be great friends." I was <laughs> like, "Yes, sir." <laughs> yeah, that's one dude I, I I couldn't hang with. I made sure I stayed away from him. Like we would go out, you know, all the guys or be at a bar or something like that. But uh, after a while, I had to try to slide somewhere else because he just he just had fun and like, but. He just went too far sometimes. Like that's all I can say. Cause he went too far sometimes, where I couldn't be around him. Uh, he 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 had me nervous. You know, we speak about a lot of these guys. Like Bobby Singh came to the CFL after that. Cope and Durden and yourself, uh, Prefontaine, uh, Scott Milanovic. There was a lot of guys on that team that came to the CFL um, after that stint. Man, was it good seeing those guys? getting to the CFL and, and what was your transition like to, you know, NFL, XFL, now to the CFL? Well, I love the CFL. Um, 
and it was good to see familiar people. So it, it kind of made me feel like I belonged. You know what I mean? I mean, I had a great year in the CFL and everything else, but to see all the players that are at least on the same team as me, you know, go go from the CFL, I mean, go from the XFL to the CFL to the, most of them to the same team as me as well, that, you know, it just made me feel a little bit more comfortable. And then we had the same coach, you know, so for me, it was a very, very easy transition. Um, I didn't like the um, the motion, the you know the the running yeah. motion for the CFL, yeah. and and I didn't ha- I didn't like it because I was just hating on the other players because I, I I pride myself my whole career of getting off the line of scrimmage on bump mm-hmm. coverage, and now in my opinion, I mean some people might say this is a little hate, but it turns a average receiver that can't get off the line of scrimmage um, by by standing still. It turns him to him him into a great receiver if he has speed. Yeah, you know what I mean. In in the CFL, so at first I was like, I guess it was Hayden or whatever. I just didn't like it. I was like, I don't I don't need it. I don't need it. So I was happy when they put me on all the way on the end where you know I was one of the guys that didn't move anyway. So yeah, but it, it made an average receiver turn great. The ones yeah, that couldn't get off the line could. of scrimmage definitely could right when you can't get off the line. And there's a lot of guys that can't get off the line. You know, we, see, with you, you, you got you got size. You always had size as well. You had strength, yeah. you had size, so you didn't actually need it. You know what I'm saying? It yeah. might have helped you a little bit because you were like me. You wasn't blazers. Yeah, it definitely helped that. Right. That but skip can, step. But, yeah, right, exactly. exactly. <laughs> but you can still line up, though. And with your size and your strength, you can still get off the line of scrimmage, no problem. But it just made me like, I'm like, man, if you, if, if you put him on this line of scrimmage, that little receiver ain't getting off this line. You got a big DB out there. You know, but that's the only thing that I, I would say that I didn't like about uh, coming yeah. to the CFL. And but then, other than that, going back to college, passion. going back to college, man, you know, you're going to get press man, especially mm-hmm. playing those uh, those teams because that's an extra defender in the box if they run it. Yeah. Right. So I always knew if I had anything over, you know, 10 yards in college and I got press man, like Shaq say, it's barbecue chicken. Yes. Let's that's get touchdown it. right now. I don't care where we at on the field. Yep. Strike up the band. <laughs> Strike it up. Strike you know, it up. So you, you have to work on your craft. And, you know, I see a lot of different receiver coaches teaching a lot of different techniques. And, you know, hopefully it works out for them. But right. it definitely, you know, you should see it now with um, the new rules they put in in 2014 where you can't even make contact to a receiver after five yards. Right? Oh, wow. So now a lot of guys are getting off that – there's guys that was started getting off that didn't get off five years before that, right? They've been in the CFL mm. for over five years, having very average years, and then this comes in, and then it's like, you get a thousand, you get a thousand, you get a thousand. I'm like, man, I mean, look. they got to be doing that just so more more points get scored because, for one, it, it's all passing league. It's well, not all passing, but you know, it's it's more passing than most of the NFL teams because you only got three downs. Yeah, you know, well, so that's another thing I loved about it. In 2013, um, there was 27 quarterbacks that played, and they and there was only two, two or three thousand yard receivers. That's the year I broke my leg. Uh, I was on pace for 1,200 for the fourth straight year, but they only had like three, two or three thousand yard receivers. So they were like, "Well, we got to get receiving up." Mm. So then they changed the rule. But I'm like, the receiving was down because there's 27 quarterbacks to play. Right. That means everybody's on their third string quarterback at some point. Right. Of course you're not going to just go out there and put up big numbers with, you know what I'm saying, some of these quarterbacks that coming in and 
you know, you play with a couple that he going in the game, you take your gloves off. <laughs> hey, hey, what's – oh, my God, I can't remember his name. What's, I can't hate on him because whenever he came in, he was throwing me the ball no matter what. He don't care who was covering me, double coverage, triple coverage, but it was the coach's son. Oh, Federate. Federate. Hey, I can't hate on him because he gave me love. I I I had like two hundred forty some yards or something like that on um on um the Alouettes on their in their in their stadium. He came in the game and he threw me the ball every single day, every single play. He threw me the ball. I had like 13, 14 catches, something like that. But yeah, he was one of those ones you might want to uh, take them gloves off at one point. <laughs> <laughs> Man, in two thousand three, you had sixty seven catches, thousand two yards, and four touchdowns. Mm-hmm. And then coming back in 04, that's when we became teammates. Right. Um, talk to me about training camp that year. Now, was that um, was that the year that I Dunnigan. got hurt? Yeah, Dunnigan was there. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I th- I just think he didn't he didn't like me from the beginning, but because I felt like our, my training camp was great. Um, we all because we all well, me and um. Cope, we trained together. On, yep. We ran the hills and stuff like that. We did did everything. I came in slim, a lot a lot lighter than I was. I was coming in faster, catching balls the whole nine. And I remember we were playing BC, NBC, and it was like the last couple seconds or a couple minutes of the game or last minute of the game, and I was running the slot. Came down, hiked the ball, post corner, and I'm looking up for the ball, and I think it was Burris threw it. I guess he got pressure, and I guess I looked late or whatever, and the ball landed like three, four yards away from me, and we ended up losing the preseason game. And when that happened, when I came to the sideline and and the coach looked at me and he said something to me, I really couldn't hear it. I was like, yeah, that's it. I'm done. I'm done. And then I got hurt in practice. So I just think he just didn't didn't like me. I mean, it's just he just felt like he wanted to go in a different direction or or whatever, which is, I mean, you never know. You know what I mean? you know, some sometimes you you know you got coaches that like you. Sometimes you know you got some that don't. Yeah, there was a um, but there's a lot of guys. You know, um, Alondra Johnson was released that year. Fred Perry was released that year. Um, yourself, um, I thought a lot of guys got released that could help us, but had had some personalities. Right. You know, and I See, think and, he, and that and that did that that bothered me too, because you know. They, everyone know that I hung out, we'll have a good time. You know, I partied, all that kind of just like, and it wasn't like I was out there by myself. Like, wasn't out there by myself. But um, then, you know, I never been in trouble. Oh, I never did anything wrong, never been in trouble with law, never did anything. And then he, you know, I was hearing rumors that he's having issues because I was out eating wings on, on whatever days with other players. But I heard he had issues with me doing that. You know, um, I never did any drugs. You know, I never did anything that, and you know, there was a whole bunch of people on the team that did did drugs and weed <laughs> and all kinds of drugs. You know, I never did a drug, you know, in my life. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, I was confused about that. Like that, he didn't like certain personalities. Okay, you like the ones that's doing drugs, or you know, or what? But you know, I just chalked it up. You know, because I, I I hurt my um, I want to say uh, my patellar tendon that, and then right when I left there, I went to. Um, Montreal, draw and had surgery on it. Yeah, and they, and they did me wrong with that too. And but that's that's a whole nother. Because you were a vet and you got released while you were injured, right? Exactly. The release while I was injured with 
no money. And they didn't give me, the, they didn't pay me any of the money until after I had, to, I filed a grievance and things like that. And I got my money like a year later, but yeah, it, it, it was bad. He didn't even give me an opportunity to get healthy or I think he's seen what happened after I did the x-rays and things like that. And I guess the doctors told him this and that. So he was like trying to get rid of me before, you know what I mean? Or whatever. Like I wasn't going to get a second opinion or a third opinion. Like that makes no yeah. sense. We're athletes. So after I got the other opinions and then obviously they had to pay me for that season. Yeah. But, but it and took me a while. It took me a year to get that money though. I remember your knee being hurt, you know, that right. first training camp. And I remember, I still remember there was one play is one-on-one uh, on the left side, yep. you got a good release. You go up, you moss, moss a DB. I don't remember the DB. You mossed him. You turn around, you spike the ball, and you were like, and I'm not even supposed to be out here because my knee hurt. Or, you know what I'm the saying? Day, the, day, the day they got me on film doing that, that's the day they released me. Really? That was the same day? Yep. Well, I didn't. The next, the next practice, I didn't practice. Yeah. Right. So they did that on purpose to get me on the field so they can have me on video. And then they cut me because obviously you're on video, that means you can practice. That means you're good. Yeah. But obviously that didn't work out for them in the long run. So after a year, I got my money for that whole season. But Then you you went to Montreal and you sit out that whole year in Montreal to that knee injury, huh? Yeah, because I had to rehab. Yeah, I had to rehab that whole year for uh, the knee injury and then um, the next year, they didn't even give me a, really a chance in, in camp. They just sent me to uh, Winnipeg. How was Winnipeg? Winnipeg is, is interesting. It was, it's a very, 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 very small, small town, small city. Um, but they love their football. That's yeah. one thing that I really, I really love Winnipeg um, for. The whole, the whole city was football, football, football. Like, it literally is like a ghost town because everyone's at the football game, the whole city. So yeah, I had a, I had a real good time there. I had a real good time there. Then you came back to Calgary in 07. Like Barker was back. Barker really wanted you in Calgary, but you could tell Higgins didn't want you at all. Right. Right. How was that, just, how was that just been in that situation where you know the head coach does not want you? Not want, he don't want you around. But the GM is like, this is my dude. Right. And and I think that's the only time I think where Barker hurt me because uh, I was one of the Barker boys. Yeah. So, and I, and I felt like that the, the, the head coach didn't want Barker boys. He wanted his boys. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because if he would have kept all the Barker boys and then we won a great cup, everyone's going to probably give praise to Barker because we're all Barker boys. So I just think that he just didn't want too many Barker boys on the team. So they just like, Hey, we're just going to go a different direction. And that's when I got released from there. So, who's your favorite teammate over your whole career? My favorite teammate. Yeah, I would say Warren Sapp. Warren Sapp, favorite teammate. Yes, only because he's very entertaining, <laughs> and he tells the truth no matter what. Who's favorite quarterback? No matter what the consequences. Michael Bishop. Michael Bishop. Michael Bishop, by far. Even though we didn't start off well, but he's, he's probably <laughs> he's probably the best quarterback that I um, that I ever played with. Yeah, he's super talented. Yeah, you know, he's one of those guys that really talented. That you know what you're gonna get every time he steps on the field. But mm-hmm. he gonna 
fired at pigskin. That's the only problem I have with him is it could be a two-yard crossing route <laughs> or a bomb. He throwing it 100 miles an hour. That's the only thing that I didn't like about Michael Vincent. He throw them jones hard. Bro. Funny <laughs> like, story. Funny story, Joffrey. So we sitting in um, it's pregame warm up. You know how you have routes on the air, and Joffrey ran a little flare route, and Bishop just. <laughs> Joffrey said, "Hey, what was wrong with you?" <laughs> <laughs> oh, I had a few. You know of those how Joffrey was. <laughs> you know how Joffrey was. Yeah. Joffrey was like, "Man, don't ever throw me the ball again, baby. You gonna throw the ball like that?" <laughs> Trying to break hey, my fingers. Y'all here trying to break my fingers. <laughs> hey, I had, I had that I had that argument or, or conversation with Michael Bishop a, a whole bunch of times in my career, especially in college. Like, uh, man, he's uh, I don't know what he just felt like he had to throw hard every time, show his muscles. I guess <laughs> I'm like, man, and, and some of those, and you and you can attest to this. Some of those passes is hard to catch because you think that they're going to come soft. You think. Yeah. It'll come a lot with a lot less speed than than so it surprises you. So a lot of those catches is hard. It's hard to catch because you're not ready for them. Yeah, dealing with him and Hank, man. I'll tell you what. Then you get guys like Kevin Glenn and you see Ricky Ray and Dave. People just catching them one-handed passes, making everything look good. You like, man, that's that's easy work. When I got Kevin, I was like, <laughs> that's my guy, right? My favorite quarterback to play with was always Kevin. Yeah, you know, but I always thought Hank was the best quarterback I ever, you know, suited up with because his skill set, where like him and Mike Bishop have a better have the similar skill set. Mm-hmm. I think Hank's just a little bit better, or a better passer. But yeah. I think Mike's a better runner than pure runner than Hank was. So, right. but dude, both of them dudes are super athletic, man. Well, that's yeah. awesome, man. I appreciate you for stopping by. Hey, anytime. The Lulu oh, Lounge. It's good seeing you, man. Good, good chatting up. Yeah. Man, anything, anything been going on, man? You just want to say uh, anything positive? Anything? How can people get a hold of you? Reach you on social media? Check out your funny videos. Man, oh well. I just want to say, I, I'm football. If, if anybody's debating, because I had this debate myself with my son about playing football because of all the concussions and things like that. Um, yes, and if someone ever gets one of those concussions or something bad that happens to them because of sports, it's it's a bad and terrible thing. But I would I would never ever prevent my son from playing any sport that has to do with team and and any type of structure and any type of things like that. So if anybody's on the fence, take it from me, Darnell McDonald, let him play, man, because I have so much memories. I got my boy Nick Lewis right here, big time Hall of Famer. You know what I mean? And I, I, I came across some great people in my time and things like that. So I, I would never, you know, I'm walking around. I got bad knees now. My shoulders messed up. My hands messed up. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but I, I wouldn't I wouldn't change it for the world, man. So if, if anybody's on the fence, some of you parents out there, mothers, fathers, let them play. You know, organized sports is is, is amazing. And, and, and just to sit back and, and reminisce right now, um, you got me grinning ear to ear, just reminiscing about things in the past that we that I've done and, and what you've done and stuff like that. So yeah, let them play, let them kids play, let them, and and just hope for the best. That's it, education. I always say, educate yourself because you can heal the brain now. You can grow the brain with technology, and I've been a part of it, man. So just get educated on it, right? Get be 
proactive and not reactive. Um, exactly. The only thing that Darnell needs to change is uh, that damn hat. Hey, Philly, baby, Philly. You know, I'm from Jersey, baby, Philly, all day. Hey, we got this. We got a Super Bowl. So can we uh, can we make a uh, trading places one dollar bet on the Cowboys right. in Philly this year? We'll trading go. Places. We'll go head up. You know, remember trading places with Eddie Murphy where they made the dollar bet. Oh, oh. Randolph and Mortimer. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. we'll make a dollar bet. Uh, we'll go head up. If one gets swept, it's two dollars. Correct. And if they tie, it's whoever's got the best record. Done. But I need mine in all nickels, though. I cool. need you to mail mine in nickels. Mail. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Canada got rid of pennies, so, I mean. Oh, they, did they? Yeah. They got the loonies and toonies. <laughs> loonies, toonies, nickels and dimes. They don't have pennies no more. It's round up, round down now. Oh, so okay. if it's like six or seven, it rounds down. If it's eight or nine, it round up. Oh, all right, all right. Hey, let me let me tell you one little funny story, football story about my son. Well, it's basically my my, my worst dad moment in the history of life. Okay, so <laughs> coach's team his first year tackle football, and my son's playing basically all the positions on defense, right? And he's yeah, I haven't really trained him yet because I wanted him to try to learn to develop the love for the game first. Yeah. So I haven't really had him out there running, you know. Routes and you know all this other stuff. I want them to learn the game first and and love the game before I like send them into the NFL combine practice every day at eight years old. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so anyway, so one of the games where it's a close game, the, the the other team is down to like the three yard line. They got two more plays to score, and basically the refs was like, "Hey, we're gonna give them these last two plays. If they score, they win. You know, if they don't, y'all your team win." I'm like, "Yes, sir." You know, so now my son. I'm telling the defense coordinator to blitz my son, like blitz him. Now keep him around. This is his first year of playing. So I'm like, blitz my son right now, because if you if you don't blitz him, he's gonna stand around and get blocked. So anyway, the first play, the, the the first play, well, the third down, they hand it off to the running back. My son blitzes through there. He hits the the big, you know, in little leagues, the biggest guy is the running back. So he hits the big guy and he slowed him down. And then the rest of the team made the tackle, right? So it was like at the five yard line. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, so he looked at me like, dang, like I missed the tackle. But I'm like, yo, you, you slowed him down. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm hype. You know, I'm hype like I'm playing, you know. Yeah. So now the, the last play of the game, I'm telling the defense coordinator, blitz him again, blitz him again. So he blitzes him in there, and the big guy gets the ball. He just stiffs on my son so bad to the ground, like, boom. Like, and then now he's running, and there's only one kid left, the smallest kid on our team, in front of this big dude to stop him at the at the two-yard line to make this tackle to, so we can win, right? Just little kid I love him I love him to death this little kid named Andre he was never scared like and he went hot head up with this big guy and the big guy hit him and I was just like there's no way he's gonna stop him like we're gonna lose this game long story short the kid ends up falling one yard short and we win the game I run over there and grab that little boy and I'm running down the whole whole field with him on my, my shoulders like yeah we won yeah I turn around, my son is crying because I'm carrying another man's son down the field <laughs> after he just got stiff arm. <laughs> the worst dad moment in the history of life. Bro. The worst it's dad gonna always in be in the back of, of his mind. It's gonna always be in the back. I know of his everyone mind. says that. Everyone says that, and I put the kid down so fast, like, oh shoot! Are <laughs> hey, you slowed him down again, son? 
Worst Dabo. I go to my son, he crying. You don't love me because I didn't make the tackle. I'm like, half of me want to be like, suck that shit up. Like, come on, suck it up, man. What's the problem? Like, you, you can. <laughs> but then I just started to like, I damn near start crying too. I hugging myself like, we won, we won. And then I keep going in my mind. I'm like, damn, he seen me run the whole hundred yards with somebody else's son on my shoulders. <laughs> you, you replaceable. <laughs> Right, right. You better, so, yeah. you better make the play, man. So that's my first bad uh, sports bad moment. Everybody, with my everybody needs the motivation, man. That's awesome. Right, that's right. awesome, man. Keep hey, keep doing the good work, brother. Keep doing that, and let's stay in touch, man. We're gonna definitely uh, do some things, and that's awesome. I appreciate you for taking the time to come on here and share your story. And one of the things I've learned through this, man, is that all of us have stories and see how similar as ours are with, with the option offense in college and, and different things that led us down our path. And it's, it's very enlightening for people to listen to this, to be able to say, it's not easy, right? It's not just, oh, he had the perfect path. Like there was multiple things that stood in your way and, you know, some of the mistakes you made and you feel like, now there's another kid in your position that's going to be able to take advantage of that to better their life and better their opportunity. So right. I appreciate you for sharing your story, man, sharing your laughs and everything. It's always a, always a fun time. And yeah, man, it was a, uh, it was great. I appreciate you. Yeah. And uh, we need to uh, figure it out. We're, we're, uh, next time you go on a vacation, we take the whole family. We all go on a vacation. Oh, uh, we boomeranging. I'm there boomerang. it is. Oh. Well, Hey, I appreciate y'all for joining the Lulu Lounge. And we out.